When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane. Today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott and Record Sport Digital's Mark McDougall. I got it right that time, boys. I've had at least three of goes, so it's not too bad. Now, on the pod today, we're going to look back over a comprehensive victory at Ibrox as Rangers put four past championship leaders air, the semi-final venue controversy, and what next for Umar Sadiq. So, boys... First of all, we cannot start anywhere else but at Ibrox last night. Scott, you were there. Were you impressed by a, a changed Rangers with six six changes? I was, yep. I mean, the, probably the biggest compliment you could pay Stephen Gerrard and Rangers is the fact that it was so comprehensive, as you say. It was so comfortable, minimal fuss. Um, I spoke to a couple of Rangers fans before the game last night and... No, there's probably this inbuilt caution now in Rangers fans after everything that they've been through that you know, the thought of making so many changes was actually um, making them a wee bit apprehensive. You know, you, I think they almost thought they're not quite at a level yet where they can afford to, you know, as teams obviously down south do all the time, you know, in the League Cup where they make so many changes that they lose a bit of, a bit of edge and suddenly it becomes a bit of a banana skin, but... No, nothing could have been further for the truth last night. Uh, it was ter- it had been terrific for Steven Gerrard um, in the sense that he got so many fringe players game time no, and got minutes under their belt. Guys like Gresda, Warrow, Fodringham, uh, Glenn Middleton, obviously, you no know, guys that he wants to get. He wants to get minutes and get get them sharper. It was an ideal exercise for that, and it was a convincing a convincing victory. Average age of 23 for the starting lineup. Mark Glenn Middleton in particular, probably the standout with two goals. Got a touch of the Neil McCann about this lad. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a fair comparison. I think he's a bit different from McCann. I know similarity as they're both left-footed and play wide. I mean. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Neil, Neil McCann hits the bile. And hit, well, he does. He just owned you there. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Neil, Neil McCann used to hit the byline. He was very direct, and he had a good cross. That's yeah. exactly the same as Glenn Middleton. I don't, I don't think it's fair to make that comparison yet. I mean, I'm not saying that he's he's as good as Neil McCann. No, I'm saying no. he reminds me yeah. in terms of style of player. What's this thing, Scott? In Scotland, you can't say someone's like <laughs> another player. because no. folk go, "Ah, you're saying he's no. the same as." Well. I think no. I think you've got. A po- I think there is similarities. I think I think Middleton is a bit more explosive than McCann was maybe over the first kind of five yards. Um, and there's slight differences in their game. But I, listen, I can see where you're, it's probably his I game. Can see where he, you're coming from. He runs in the same manner. You know, it's, it's probably partly that. Think, so I'll take that on board. I think fairly probably most of my memories of seeing Neil McCann are from highlights as well because I, mean, I was still quite ah, young. Yeah, I'm forgetting <laughs> that you're about 13. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's probably where I'm coming from as well that I don't, remember McCann as much 
as you, you don't really know who you think Neil McCann's a Dundee <laughs> manager, don't you? Like, I don't, I don't see any similarity Sky, with Sky him Sports, on the touchline. Sky Sports pundit. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but no, I, I mean, Middleton was brilliant last night. I think it took Rangers 15 minutes to get into the game as well last night. I mean, up to the end, Air had a lot of the ball. Rangers were quite sloppy on it, but you, you can forgive that when players haven't played in quite a while. I mean, Dorans is coming back in. It's his first start in months. Uh, Joe Worrell's only played a second game. Guys like that. I mean, you can forgive a bit of sloppiness, but as soon as Rangers got that first goal, it was they were brilliant after that. If I'm being hypercritical, Mark, Joe Worrell, for me, maybe didn't look that comfortable on the ball. Could that be an issue? Yeah, I think first half especially, he didn't give the ball away a lot. Uh, second half he seemed to rein in a wee bit and just play simple passes whereas first half he just kept trying to play defence splitting balls and pick out Middleton pick out Kent instead of just giving it to the players who are better at it giving it to Jarry or giving it to Dorans he did that a lot more in the second half and that worked out a lot better that, In terms of Middleton that was a big test for him last night I know he's still young but the danger with a player like that is no, he's came on in so many games and made a great impact, but we've spoken about it before. It's I'm not saying it's easy, but when you come on with 20 minutes to go in a game, the full-back's tired, defenders are tired. No, you've only got one thought, and that's to get the ball, get to the byline, get crosses in. It's, and he's done that very well. Um, it c- there can always be a danger that when you actually start a game, it's, it's totally different. And I thought even Middleton took a wee bit of time to, to get into the game and you were watching it at first thinking is he, is he really going to do the do the business here it's a different game starting a 90 minutes as opposed to coming on as I say as that impact sub but he did grow into the game uh, took his two goals brilliantly um, terrific assists for Andy Halliday on both of them um, and me and Mark were speaking earlier I mean, the, the second goal I thought was particularly impressive from Middleton because when Halliday plays the ball into him and he's on the half turn, nine times out of ten, I've seen it so often, strikers, when the defender's so close, once they make that turn, they can get caught up with the defender, defender can put them off <laughs> and no, they don't get a shot away. The difference with Middleton, and he showed it last night, that when he takes that turn, he's got that explosive couple of yards a pace that just took him away from the defender and allowed him to get the shot off and I know it's early but he looks a very good finisher as well. Well I was going to say let's cut to the chase on this Scott you are in and about the Scotland under 21s and the, the under 18s and you have been for for many years as a journalist how talented do you think this boy is because you, you you've watched a lot of players come through you've seen players who looked very very talented and maybe didn't quite fulfill their talent yep well, where do you place him? He's He's up there with one of the one of the top ones to come through for his age, certainly. Um when he was at Norwich and he first kinda of burst onto the scene, everyone was talking about him in the Scotland youth setup, expecting big things from him. He was playing above his age level. He was in and around Norwich's first team training and stuff. No, there was a lot of good vibes coming from down there about him. We've spoke before about how they change and structure at Norwich in terms of the German coach coming in, a new director of football. That whole club kind of changed at, at one point last season. And for some reason, Middleton was, was kind of left out of it or was, wasn't part of it. And that allowed, we know the story, it allowed Graham Murty to go in and get him. He knew him from, from his time at Norwich. And listen, I thought at the time it looked a great coup for Rangers to go and get him you know, when they did. And looking at him now, you're wondering why 
Graham Murty himself didn't give him a shot last season when, when it was crying out for somebody like that, taking a burst burst onto the scene at Rangers and inject a bit of pace, inject something different in the in the wide area. Um Steven Gerrard's obviously come in, had a look at him right away and thought, This boy can offer something and he's been clever, no, feeding him or dripping him in shortly, eh, eh, no dripping him in in kind of twenty minute spells, fifty minute spells for the bench. And last night was the perfect game to give him his first start. Scott, another player that played well, um, perhaps someone that we've seen more of in terms of first-team action is uh, Ross McCrory. He anchored that midfield, and it's the second game in a row he's had a very competent um, performance, very um, consistent in terms of his use of the ball, uh, defensively disciplined. Do you think he's someone that can now maybe think about starting to make a run in that team? I I think he can, but he's, he's got a lot of competition in that midfield. There's so many good players in there, especially with... Alexa Roster coming back, Doran's there. Uh, you've got also Jack to come back from injury as well in that position. Uh, McCrory's got a lot of work to do still. I mean, he's a very good young player, but there's times where he gets caught out in the ball and his touch isn't always the greatest. You've seen it last night in the second half, I think it was. He took a really bad yeah. first touch and then was lucky he didn't catch the player properly or probably would have seen red again. Uh, that's the thing. Talk about Middleton coming in last season. I think that's probably the best thing that Marty did was not because it would have affected his confidence so much as well. Yeah, seen that maybe. with McCrory when things were going bad towards the end of last season. It's taken him really up to the last couple of weeks to get a bit of confidence yeah. again. I, th- uh, I, th- I think McCrory uh, lost his confidence after the St Marin game this yeah. season when he got sent off yeah. so early. I think, he, I think Gerard spoke about that in his, uh, one of his previous press conferences. No, he came in for that St Marin game Gerald showed a bit of faith in him, using him as the anchor man um, in a Premiership game, and obviously get sent off very early with, with that late late tackle. And I just I think McCrory himself, after everything he'd been through, then Gerald, you no know, Gerald nails his position, gives him a chance, and he must have felt as if he'd kind of thrown it away very early. And I think, as I say, Gerald already commented on the fact that he lost a bit of confidence for that and I think it has taken him a few weeks to get back I mean I was I was with Scotland under 21s a few weeks ago and no I must admit I didn't think McCrory looked that great in that sitting midfielder role um, I think I agree with Mark no he's clearly a talented young boy he's got a he should have a great future but now that he's nailed his he's seemingly nailed his position I do think that will help him However, he's got a long, he's still got a long way to go before mastering that position. And as Mark says, there's the competition in there is incredible. Isn't it? Yeah, do you think that'll be the big thing that really, really pleases Stephen Gerrard is that he's basically changed up that entire team. It's a very young team, and he's showcased the squad that he's put together, and that it is fit for pur- purpose in terms of an entire season where you also have the challenges of the Europa League. It, it's a good sign that Rangers can go against the, the championship leaders and win 4-0 without really ever getting out of second gear, isn't it? Yeah, it isn't. I mean, there wasn't any player that came in there last night that if they started an early game you would say, well, that's a wee bit of a worry for Rangers. I mean, every single one of them proved themselves to be good players. I know that it's against the championship team people might say they've not done it at a proper level and all the rest of it, but error, a good side. I mean, they showed that in the first 20 minutes especially. They played some nice football. They had a couple of chances. Great save from West Fordringham. Yeah, great save from uh, was it yeah. Robbie Crawford that hit the shot? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was a great save. And yeah, like I say, error a decent side. They know what they're doing going forward. Especially, I think they've scored something like twenty six goals already this season. So they're a decent side, and 
the players that come in show that they can step in when needed. Scott, the other big talking point is obviously Alfredo Morelos getting the booking, which rules him out of the semi-final. How do you think Rangers can line up in that game, um, given, and we'll go into this later, what Gerard said after the game about Umar Sadiq being a bit off the pace. Do you think they'll they'll look to bring in maybe Gresda or maybe play Middleton through the middle? How, how do you think they'll go about that against Aberdeen? It's a big problem for Steven Gerrard. I don't care what he says in terms of def- trying to defend Alfredo Morelos. There is no defence for that yellow card last night, I'm sorry. I, I know it was a bad tackle um, and he was right to kind of aid his grievances. And I do feel, I do feel Morelos at times is suffering a wee bit from this kind of reputation that he's built up um, in, in terms of, I'm sure, no, even if it's subconsciously, referees <clears throat> now look at him as a kind of combustible character and a bit of a, bit of a nuisance. I saw there was a piece with Michael Beale um, that you actually pointed out to me in the mail on Sunday and he was talking about relating to Morelos in a different way because yeah. of his background. Is there, an es- is there a sense that he doesn't speak great English so he expresses himself more through his body language and, and perhaps that, explains a little bit of his the yeah, amount of is, descent that he's getting himself there is in. a bit of that there is a bit of that kind of South American influence to it you think I mean as soon as I think as soon as uh, Bobby Madden realised there was a bit of an issue last night he, he called Andy Halliday over who was captain not to try and kind of calm Morelos down or, or at least speak to him and I do think referees listen I'm not I, I wouldn't ask them to give Morelos any special treatment but I do feel as if he might be suffering a wee bit through his through this kind of reputation that he's built up. He hasn't helped himself at times, and I think last night was another one. It was a bad tackle, but whatever he said, um, he has to be thinking. Yeah, he has to be getting into that game last night. I know managers and players will say, "Oh, I don't think about anything else apart from the ninety minutes. I just go and focus on the game." I'm sorry, but when you know. No, if you're ruling out Umar Sadiq, which we pretty much are, you know there's only two main strikers at the club and one of them can't play in the, the League Cup. Morelos has to know going into that game last night. Under no circumstance can I get a yellow card. And he picks one up in the first half for nothing when the game, even at that point, looked as if it was going to be a, going to be a, comfortable, a comfortable victory for Rangers. So how do you think he'll go about um, setting the team up against Aberdeen? I think you're right. I think his options are either Middleton or Ryan Kent through the middle. If he goes with Ryan Kent... That not, not Gresda? Not Gresda through the middle. I think it'll be Middleton or Kent through the middle. Um, if he goes with Kent, then that would mean Gresda starting probably in the, on either either flank. With Candias on the other flank, probably. Um, I think Gerard will be more tempted to go with that because it's more experienced... Um, Ryan Kent has played there before at times for, for Coventry and, and other certainly for Coventry and, and possibly for other clubs Gresda he's paid money for and by the time the semi-final comes round he should be fitter, should have more match sharpness so you'd be looking to, to see the best in him however, despite saying all that my, my gut instinct would be to go away Middleton because I think we touched on it earlier I just think Middleton is more direct than Kent in terms of going for goal. I think Ryan Kent likes to drop in, drift outside the box and do most of his work there. I think playing Middleton through the middle, almost like in the way Peter Lovingcrans did for Rangers um, a few years back under Alec McLeish, 
McLeish surprised everybody when he threw Lovingcrans up front and it turned out to be an unbelievable decision in terms of the goals that Lovingcrans got. Big goals against Celtic and in Europe when he played as a central striker. Do you remember that, Mark? I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> no, I'm not saying Glenn Middleton will be as good as Peter Lovingcrans because uh, we don't like We don't we, like, we don't like comparisons. We don't like comparisons. But there's a wee bit of that in him and as I said earlier that the second goal last night I think showed that he picked the ball up in a central area he had an explosive burst five yard burst of pace to get away from the defender and the finish was excellent I say, I think he looks to be a better finisher than Ryan Kent so me personally I would go with Middleton through the middle however I've got a feeling just because of the experience because of the money they've paid for Gresda I think he might go with Kent Low centre of gravity against uh, McKenna. Yeah, I agree that Middleton's the one that I would pick to play through the middle if I was the one making the decisions. Uh, I think he's just he's suited to that role. I think he's played there for Scotland under-19s as well in, has a in the past. Teams, yeah. and He just seems more suited to it than Kent. When Kent went central originally, when Morels went off last night, and it just didn't, it, it really didn't work. Happen, did yeah, it? No. it seemed that there was no focal point to the team. It just, it, it just Everything was then just played in front of the 18 yard line and just knocking it about nice fancy football but with no real end product the only thing I'd say at the start of a semi-final I mean it's a big game not a tough game for Rangers as any semi would be no, wherever it gets played there will be an element of kind of playing your way into the game seeing how it's developing maybe Stephen Gerrard will just think well no, maybe Middleton would be the better option but to start the game I'll just I'll go with Kent see how the game's going give him a chance up there at first Gresda can either side and then you'll obviously have Middleton for the bench with that, that impact that we spoke about earlier OK well you touch on the next topic a little bit there when you say uh, whenever it, wherever it will be played because there does seem to be a, an impending stushy about where this game will be played because the Thursday night is uh, Europa League night yep and Rangers will be playing at home, Celtic away, and then the first leg of the first set of semi-finals will be on the Saturday, and then the Sunday. And that would obviously leave less than forty-eight hours, or forty-eight hours, however many hours, very around two days to recover from a major European tie, then into a semi-final. Is that tenable, Scott? Is that doable? No. Do they have to move it from Hamden? Yeah, I mean, there's no. The two games will need to be played on Sunday, and because of that. One will need to be at Hamden and one will be at Murrayfield. I don't, I'd be amazed if there's any other outcome to that. I, I'm almost certain it'll be like a 12.30 kick-off at Murrayfield and a 3.30 kick-off at Hamden to suit TV, obviously. The biggest question, for, or the biggest problem for the SPFL to decide is who plays where, um, in terms of who, because... No, I think if I'm being honest, the four teams in the semis, if given the choice, would all rather play at Hamden. Uh, maybe Aber- Aberdeen. Hearts would, would maybe go want to go to Murrayfield. I would, I would have thought Aberdeen would be, it'd be easier to get from Aberdeen to Edinburgh, down the East Coast. Yeah, in terms of travelling, but I still think Aberdeen players would rather play at Hamden, having played there. Aberdeen have played there quite often. No, in terms of just being familiar with the surroundings, the, the, the pitch, Aberdeen have been there quite often. Um, so I think... I, the, I said the four teams, of course, probably Hearts would be the one that would rather go to Murrayfield because they they've got very used to that over the, the last year or so. Um, so that will be the difficulty for the SPFLs deciding who plays where. But I'm convinced 
both games will be on the Sunday. One will be an early kickoff and one will be late, late afternoon for the TV. That would be the sensible if she was to have it one at Murrayfield. Uh, Hearts obviously are going to want that, but as you see, we've got the story online that there's an option of both of them being played at Hamden uh, on the Sunday with an early kickoff for one and an evening kickoff for the other. I mean, that just seems completely just, bizarre to try and do it that. Just can't happen. Uh, if you do that, you, I mean, you're going to need at least two and a half hours for each game with then space between it. And if it goes to extra time and penalties, say you schedule the first game for 12 o'clock, if that goes to extra time and penalties, there's already going to be fans at the stadium for the next game by 3, 4 o'clock. You're just, it's just a recipe for disaster if you try that. And so presumably it would be attractive for BT Sport to have a Super Sunday type element to this where there's two games on in reasonably quick succession. Um, so they're they're essentially copying the model that's been set down for years by Sky Sports where you can yeah. sit down in front of the telly for five hours. However, what difference does it make if that's at Hamden and then Murrayfield? Yeah, you can have a Super Sunday, but it doesn't mean both games need to be the same stadium. I mean, you sit down a Super Sunday, uh, Premier League Super Sunday in England, and it's no, it's Chelsea, Liverpool at Stamford Bridge and then Man U, Arsenal at Old Trafford. I mean, it's completely, completely different. Uh, so... You, no, they will have a Super Sunday, I'm sure, but they'll just be switching from Murrayfield in the morning to, to Hamden in the, in the afternoon, I would imagine. Which, listen, I think it'll be great for Scottish football, great for BT Sport. It's the four no, it's the four top clubs in the country. Oh, wait a minute. Competing in the semi-final. I can't yep. go through all hubs into the equation. <laughs> the four top clubs in the country in the semi-finals... Um, no, two massive crowds at Murrayfield and Hamden. It'll be a great, great day. No, no great for the Sunday Mail, right enough, because we don't get a, a live game on the Saturday. But anyway, that's another, that's another story. You do have also the potential problem that the SRU decide now you're not having Murrayfield after you said you don't want it already. I mean, they might just. I know they're probably going to be driven by the money like any other organisation, but yeah, well, I was going to say, draw it. I was, two fingers up to you, you aren't getting it. I was going to say that we're just assuming that this is going to take place on the Sunday. We're assuming that people are going to um, adopt a common sense attitude. But this is Scottish football, guys. <laughs> I mean, how much of a stushy mark would there be? I don't know if I've used that word stushy too much, and I'm now using it again, which means three times, and it's just as bad. But how big a controversy would they be, say, if Rangers were asked to play on the Saturday in such a short? Turnaround from um, Europe. It would just be ridiculous if, if they tried to get any of the teams to play. I obviously Rangers would be the more likely one if it went down to that because they're at home on the Thursday night. But it would just it would be the most ridiculous decision to do that. You're essentially asking players to play two games and I think it's like less than forty hours by the time the kickoff times would be. And it's just impossible. You're putting players at risk of injury. You're like I mean, I'm sure Aberdeen would like it to be on the Saturday because they know that Rangers players will be tired. But yeah. it's just it's impossible to do that without bringing the sport and integrity stuff into it again. It's impossible to do that. The whole, of course, the whole sport and integrity collection. The whole, the whole situation has been complicated further by the fact that there's a full Premiership card on the full midweek because ordinarily they might have moved one to the Monday night, for instance. Uh, could have won the Sunday afternoon, won the Monday night. I know Monday nights aren't ideal for supporters, but that would have been an option for them. But of course, Rangers and Celtic are both due to play midweek league games, so it would mean having to you know, move one of them to a Thursday, but then you're going into the next weekend. So it's it's not an ideal situation, but I'm sure 
I know you're saying about that, the SLU and stuff, but no, I'm sure they will look at it, look at the finances involved, and no, it would be, I think it'd be good for them as well to hold one of these one of these semis. Yeah, because it seems little doubt that they would uh, sell out a sixty-seven thousand uh, stadium for both these games. Yeah. Well, would it not be possible though for? I mean, Celtic play Hearts the following weekend. Could not instead of Cats on their game that's due to take place the weekend, the semi-finals are currently scheduled. Have them play their league games then, and have the semi-finals over two weekends. Surely I, I, that pre- would pre- be a sensible pre- option, but presumably that would be less attractive for BT because they will yeah, like this idea yeah, of having well, us. Of course, it would be, but it's also a. I'd say it's the most sensible option. Then you're only cats on one game, and it just it's makes not sense. a bad shout. Far too sensible. For <laughs> <SPFL>, <laughs> um, just on one last thing on this, I thought Stephen Gerrard was very cute in his comments. I don't know if you've seen them on Sky Sports News today, where he essentially put a fair bit of pressure, I would say. Um, on the organisers of the Betfred Cup by saying, well, I'm going to watch this very closely, but this is this is ridiculous, this idea that we'd play in Europe and then 48 hours later you'd be expected uh, to play in the game. Nah, that's not going to happen. I mean, well, you expect Brendan Rodgers to come out with similar comments if it doesn't immediately sure happen? Sure he would. I'm sure he'll just mirror Stephen Gerrard's comments. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, even going back to... 2008 without what to drag it up again I don't remember John Rangers fixture pile up what was it you said last week what was the quote disgraceful scandalous scandalous I I think you misinterpreted that (laughs) maybe slightly anyway um, I don't don't remember many teams playing the Europa League Thursday and then playing Saturday if at all I mean you listen could you argue that no, moving it to like Saturday half five kickoff gives you more hours to prepare. No, than a, than a, than a kind of twelve, a kind of midday slot. I just don't think it sits very well. Um, it sets a it sets a bad precedent. I think to to play Thursday Saturday. As I say, it's it's never happened before. It's very rarely happened before, if ever. So, I think Gerard's right. I'm sure Brendan Rodgers will mirror those comments. And as I said at the start, I'm I'm pretty certain we'll see a a super Sunday from Hamden and Murrayfield on the 28th. Okay, well, moving on to our final topic, what's next for Umar Sadiq? Um, Stephen Gerrard last night in the press conference was uh, pretty forthright about the Roma striker on loan to Rangers. He said, um, uh, referencing the fact that Morelos and Lafferty are both unavailable for the upcoming semi-final with Aberdeen, it's a frustration, we lose a player in form and we're going to have to find a way to get the job done without a natural nine unless Sadiq comes to the party and improves an awful lot between now and then. Mark, we spoke to uh, a journalist based in Holland before uh, Sadiq signed, yeah, it was very, very complimentary about the player. He did say that he was a guy who could one minute uh, looked like a world beater and the next minute couldn't uh, trap a bag of cement. What do you put his failure to ignite at Rangers down to? Because he seemed like an exciting prospect signing from Roma when he came in. I don't know, it just seems to be, I don't think he really fits into Gerard's style of play from seeing week up to him. He's, I don't think he's the player that's going to chase down balls. He's not going to, he's not very good at holding the ball up either. I'm not really sure why they brought him in in the first place. I haven't watched wee bits of him, even in, I think he's only played 27 minutes, something like that, first team football at Rangers. And, just doesn't look very good at all. I mean, it's right that one minute he looks a world beater because I remember one one game it was against uh, I can't remember who it was maybe St Martin. 
and then he came on and he did about three step overs and then tripped over the ball after he beat the defender. It was just the most bizarre thing you could see and I just don't understand what the point of him is. I suppose um, uh, one wrong out of, four, out of 15 is not, or 14 or whatever it is isn't too bad. Um, Scott, I mean, what what have you heard on the on the grapevine regarding the player since he came in? Um, from what I heard, he's no showing up great in training. Uh, I have to say, the kind of comments that I've heard through within Rangers, uh, as I say, hasn't looked great in training. Clearly, Mark's seen a few more of the, the reserve, reserve clips than me, but hasn't uh, no, set the head on fire in these reserve games either. Um, Stephen Gerrard was quoted when Sadiq came in as saying he was a big fan of this, of this player. So he obviously fancied him, uh, or he's seen enough of him to think it was, it was worth going for. <clears throat> but in terms of his comments last night, you're right, he was very forthright. But he can afford to be forthright because, as you say, he signed 15 players, and at the moment it, it looks like Sadiq is the only the only failure uh, among them, or the only one that hasn't really, as as Gerard put it, came to the came to the party. Um, listen, he'll be disappointed. The guys came in from Roma with a decent reputation. Um, like yourself, I spoke. I remember speaking to Pierre Van Hoydonk about him, who'd, uh, who'd watched him playing Eredivisie. Do you remember him, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't remember him. <laughs> and like, uh, like you say, Van Hooydonk said one minute he'd do something unbelievable, uh, almost uh, Canu-like in terms of his, the way he plays, but other times he'll frustrate, frustrate the life out of you. And at the moment, it seems like he's just permanently frustrating the life out of you. Out of Steven Gerrard, and he needs to, in all seriousness, well, as I say, he's got a lot of the signings right, so no, you wouldn't be critical of Steven Gerrard in that regard, but he'll be he'll be disappointed, and Sadiq has come in with a decent reputation, he's come from a big club on loan. Scored he's, goals in the area of his Yeah, so. I mean, he really has to, he has to start showing something, because, no. Steven Gerrard should be looking at that semi-final and thinking, OK, I've got one striker cup-tied, I'm disappointed, the other one suspended, but let's not worry about it. I've got a guy on loan for Roma here no, that can, who's an out-and-out centre-forward. I can, I, can, I can throw him in. When at the moment, it actually looks as if... I mean, Sadiq didn't even make the bench last night, so it looks as if, looking ahead to the semi, Sadiq hasn't even been considered at this point. Scott, there's a great Rangers story that's gone down in the annals, the legend of uh, the, the day that um, the great Mario Jardel turned up at training. Do you want to tell Mark this story? Because it was a little bit before his time. It rings a bell with me, you need to You're too young as well. No, no, I, rem- <laughs> I remember, uh, I actually remember the, the day Jardel was at Ibrooks with, with his wife and that, watching watching a game on the verge of this big big transfer and then it didn't, it well, didn't happen. The, the story behind it was that he turned up and went to training. I think he had one day's training yeah. and he just was, was absolutely appalling. Like, yeah. Couldn't trap the ball, couldn't score, missed everything. And uh, they, they cancelled the transfer on the back of this. Yeah. Um, I, I remember at the time all the pictures were of Jardel and his lovely wife, who was uh, very attractive and was on more pictures than Jardel was in, yeah. the, in the back pages and front pages of the paper. But... Um, yeah, he went on to have this phenomenal career, including scoring, scoring goals in the Champions against, League. Against yeah. Rangers for uh, Fenerbahce. Galatasaray, Galatasaray, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, went on to £20 million 
transfers and all the rest of it. So I suppose the point of that, bringing that up, would be perhaps some, just some players don't cut it in training so much and are more the guys that deliver on the 90 minutes uh, on a Saturday. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think even, obviously it's a different level, but Kevin Cahill was speaking about that recently as well when he went down to Sunderland at first, that he'd never really trained at all, and then he went down to Sunderland, couldn't train during the week, got to a weekend, he was scoring hat-tricks for the reserves under 19s, whoever he was playing for. And I think that's the same sort of thing here, maybe, that maybe Sadiq just needs a chance. S- Sadiq's basically like Kevin Cahill, <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're slagging me off for making <laughs> comparisons, <laughs> and he's giving it... Sadiq's basically like Kevin Kyle. That, that's the problem here. I'd like that's what I said. But, uh, I was going to say, the one thing I'd say... Print the legend. N- the one thing I'd say, no in defence of Sadiq, but you would like to see him get in a run of games. He's no... And that's difficult for Steven Gerrard and Rangers at the minute to give anybody a proper run of games because every game they're facing now seems like a massive game, whether it's in the Premiership, whether it's a League Cup semi, or whether it's a Europa League. Um... But he hasn't had that opportunity. And I know, he, I know Gerald would say he has to earn that opportunity by what he does in training. I get that. But it's diffi- it is difficult for players to come on 10 minutes here, 5 minutes there, knowing the bench the next game, on the bench for the next. It's That can be difficult. And I'm sure Sadiq within himself will probably just be itching no, and saying, going to just give me two or three games starting and I can get into a rhythm and I can show you I can show you what I'm what I'm made of. I Whether he'll get that, I, I don't know. I think it's always the guy's got something about him with Romer paid money for yeah. him. I mean, he's clearly a talented player. And if he was ever going to get an opportunity, it was going to be last night against yeah. there. He's not going to get chucked in against Livingston at the weekend, Hearts next weekend. So I, I'd like there's much chance for him, but yeah, and t- he gives Rangers something different as well because I've lo- lo- watched quite a lot of clips of him, and he, he's. He's a quick player who gets in behind, which is actually what Rangers kind of need. They've got Morelos, who's very good all-rounder, but excellent at holding up the ball. Lafferty can obviously do that as well. But Sadiq looked like a player with electric pace, so you could uh, clip the ball over the top and he'd run onto it, which seems like a perfect addition to their squad, but perhaps it's just not worked out. Let's be honest, he's got to start ripping it up in these reserve games. I know the standard of the reserve league isn't great at the moment, um, it's been fairly useful to Rangers in the last few weeks to get guys like Lee Wallace and Gresda and people at game time. But a guy of Sadiq's uh, reputation has to be going into the reserve games and you know, scoring, you know, pretty much scoring in every game. I mean, they won, they won, was it 6-2? What, did yeah. they play in the 6-2 yeah, game? he played at half the game. Came off for Dapo Mabudi. Mabudi and he came on and got a hat-trick. Hat I mean, so that's... No, that's unforgivable. Really, he's got to begin into these reserve games and and making it difficult for making Steven Gerrard, no, at least play him on the bench. But no, think about getting him a getting him a start in the first team. Okay, well, just before we go, we'll just quickly have a chat about Livingston at the weekend. I was at uh, Tynecastle on Saturday and was highly impressed by Livingston. Very. So, well, I was undercover, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> But um, Livingston were extremely impressive, very organised, very diligent, uh, tough uh, all over the pitch, will battle all over the pitch. I think anyone that's thinking this game's going to be a procession for Rangers akin to the Air United game is going to be in for a shock because well organised and Gary Holt's got them right up for it. I don't think it'll be a procession, but I expect Rangers to win um, by a goal or two, no more than that. Um, On that pitch as well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that is a... That, that's a level. Although Rangers, to be fair, 
I know the pitches are slightly different, but Rangers played well at Rugby Park on, on that kind of surface. So, listen, I agree with you, but Livy, they're, they're resilient, they're dogged, um, they've got a wee bit about them as well. I don't want to you know, kind of decry them in that way. They've got, they've got decent players, guys like Stevie Lawless and that, Scott Pittman as well. Um, the boy uh, up front, uh, Dolly, Dolly Menga, Menga, is... Is good, yeah. Quick, powerful. Hasn't obviously scored yet, but it's caused Hearts all sorts of problems, and uh, especially John Suter. It really yeah. gave him a hard time. But Rangers have been pretty solid defensively as well. I know the Motherwell game wasn't great at first part, but I think uh, I don't expect a lot of goals in the game. I think it will be tough for Rangers. Um, I think it will be, be one of the games where Stephen Gerrard will look at it and just like let's just go in. Go into this battle and get out with a John Flanagan type of game, Scott. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, and just get out with, with three points. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the team that Gerard picks. Um, because as we touched on earlier, he made a lot of changes last night. He's now got a fully fit squad to choose from. When you consider that's Dorans, Rossiter, Wallace, all back, Gresda getting fitter. Um, it's a strong squad he's got there now. It'll be interesting. Me and Mark were speaking earlier. I don't know what you think, but what is Rangers' strongest three-man midfield? Now, if, if, if Rangers were playing Celtic tomorrow, what would be your three in midfield? Jack, Arfield, Koulibaly. I don't even need to think about that. That's, no, that's I think it's, it's a good shoot, but you've also then got... Like, if Jordan Roster's fit, I think he's the best midfielder at the club. Well, I just think you can't rely on that. So until Rossiter has a two or three month period where he's in the in the team, then maybe I'll change my opinion because I do like Jordan Rossiter. But at the moment, if if I, if it was a game tomorrow, that's who I'd pick. Yeah, and I like Dorans as well. And if Dorans gets himself back to full fitness, but if it's Celtic tomorrow, that's the three you pick. I think. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I I, I wouldn't necessarily d- disagree. I think Koulibaly has to start. I mean, Gerard obviously the last Celtic game went uh, Jack Arfield Dejaria and. He kind of got overrun a wee bit in there. Um, but Ajaria was excellent last night. I think he's getting better and better. Um, he's the one guy in the midfield giving you that bit of flair, that bit of guile around the edge of the around the edge of the box in terms of creating things. And Gerard's a big fan. He has, so I think he would always look to try and try and start him even against Celtic. So. Going forward, it'll be interesting to see how that develops because you're right, Dorans is now chapping at the door. I agree with Mark in the sense that if you'd a fully fit Jordan Rossiter, I still think he's arguably the best sitting midfielder at the club to play in that anchor and that's taken nothing away for Ryan Jack who's been who's been excellent uh, this season before he got injured. So, Gerald's got loads of options, which is what Rangers have been crying out for for a few years now. So regular listeners will know that we are given top class predictions every week here. We said a draw against Villarreal. I mean, we did say nil nil and bet under two point five <laughs> goals, but just ignore that. What's your prediction for the game? Just very, very briefly, the score. Two nil Rangers. Mark, I will one nil. And your thoughts on the game? I think I, think I got slaughtered on this for so, on social media at the start of the season for saying that Livingston would be top six, and I firmly believe they will be. I think in Liam Kelly, they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league. It was a terrific save from Naismith's penalty the weekend. Goalkeeper. Then you've got guys like Craig Halkett, Declan Gallagher, they're all good, solid defenders, good players, and yeah, I think they're a very good side. Top six is a bit much, though. I, I mean, I who, who, who are they replacing? Kilmarnock? Because you've got Rangers, Celtic, 
Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen. Yeah, so there's one place one they're place fighting. Yeah, I think like they'll, they'll be fighting with Kilmarnock for that top six place. I don't think Kilmarnock are the side they were last year uh, without Malumbu. And I just think Lewis did a really good side that will... It's a, it's a big call. It's a, it's huge, a, bit, it's a, a big, huge call. Big call after Kilmarnock just beat Celtic. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, but, it is, but Celtic aren't the same side they were last season either. So. Get in, Mark. That's it. <laughs> don't hold back right that's all from us we're going to be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers if you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate you can you can tweet us at record underscore sport but don't do that come to us directly at Scott McDermott 8 at Johnny R McFarlane and at McDougall1994 I don't know that one off by heart so I I always need that just make sure go to Mark actually (laughs) any problems any questions just hit Mark he's good for it don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Let your mind